Merry Christmas. How are you guys doing? You doing well? So excited to see you. Uh, this is just such a, such a fun time to celebrate. It was fun to not see the kids scream and run and go crazy. They actually stood still, some of them. And uh, what a neat picture. Uh, you know, I'm standing in the back and getting to watch this, but uh, as all those children, the next generation of the church, the church doesn't or survive without well, the next generation. Uh, getting to be up here and knowing that there's a lot of young families in here and getting to watch the manger be in the shadow of the cross. And just that picture that's there with that next generation and us singing together. Um, I think we're good. I, I was thinking, I, I, th I don't need to preach no more. I think that, that's, that's it right there. That's, that's all I need you to see. But I guess we got to. So let's do something, all right? We're in week three of a series, but if uh, you, you've missed it, it's okay. We're, gonna, we're just going to catch up together. We're going to be on the same page together. It's going to be good. Um, I know you probably have a thousand Christmas parties to get to, a thousand plans, and you're already exhausted, and it's not even Christmas yet. So we'll, we'll keep it together. Today we're doing a, a series called Carols, and we've been traveling and kind of going through a several different popular carols and kind of talking about the history, but then really what we're trying to do is, is take it out of nostalgia and bring it back into purpose or meaning. I try to take it out of, oh man, that feels good, into something that actually brings something uh, played on the, in the background of a store and in the background of our lives. So all of a sudden it becomes something that, boom, it, it leads us to something more than just warm, gooey feelings. Or something that, that makes us actually think about something deeper than just one day or a holiday. And so we've done this with several songs, but today we're doing Away in a Manger. And so uh, I promised you at the beginning of the series, I'm not going to sing. All right, and some of you are still excited about that, but I, but I, I am, I am going to try to uh, unpack the lyrics a little bit and give you a little bit of history. The, the problem is, uh, we started with "Oh Holy Night" and it had this amazing background, and ever since then, I've just found that carols, you guys, the history of carols is rough. All right, you get started, you start researching this stuff. It is just crazy how little we know where some of this stuff comes from. For example, Away in a Manger, for a large portion of time, was believed to be written by Martin Luther, the uh, father of the Reformation. But recently, in fact, it said within the last 10 years, this basically proven to be totally false, completely unreliable. And so, just like most of history, when something is proven to be false and completely unreliable, now what? <laughs> All right? Now what do we do? All right? So there's been this total re, re kind of uh, tooling, trying to figure out where this, where this hymn came from, where this carol came from. And basically, they just came down to some teacher somewhere probably wrote some lyrics down in an English place, because it's an English carol that probably in the 1800s was turned into a jingle or turned into a song, and then formally was kind of put together in the late 1800s. So, yay, <laughs> right? Big boo. But here's the thing. It, it stuck around. I mean, it's still here. In fact, a recent poll in, in, uh, in Britain found this to be the most, which is, right? That's just mind-blowing that it would stick around. So there's got to be something going on in this carol, something going on that has deep, satisfactory meaning. And so we can't talk about everything that's in here because there's a lot. But I want to pull out one aspect of the first verse because the first verse because we know that one. That's the one that you and I would probably be able to sing together. And the, the verses afterwards, <laughs> subsequently, we, we kind of lose the idea of like, oh, that's the way in a manger. I didn't realize that. But here's the first verse, and I want to just point out something to you, Okay? It says, away in a manger, no crib, 
for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his head, his sweet head. The stars and the bright sky looked down where he lay. And the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Now, at first glance, that just sounds like an awesome nursery rhyme, right? You can just see like a mother trying to explain this majestic thing late at night to a child. I want to point out to you something that's in this that, that kind of brings the significance of this just straight to the top. It's in here twice. Did you notice it? It's in the second line and in the fifth line. The little Lord Jesus. The little Lord Jesus. That's a big title for a baby. That's a big title for a baby. I can't tell you how many times I've sung this and thought, wow, that's cute. But the more I think about it, that's not cute. That's poignant. That's specific. That's deep. That's powerful. That's much more than nostalgia. In fact, the word Lord uh, has some pretty significant definitions. If you look at it in the Greek, that word there is, uh, I've been practicing this, kurios, kurios, all right? It's the word kurios, all right? I'm trying. I didn't put the pronunciation up there. It doesn't help me, all right? It just means this, supreme in authority, controller, Lord. Now, whenever I hear that word controller, first I think video games, but then second, all right, quickly, don't judge me, all right? I heard that. I need Fortnite haters, all right? Now, here's the thing. That controller word, also I hate it in the other context. I don't like anyone controlling me, right? In fact, how many of you guys as a teenager either said it or have heard it out of a teenager's mouth recently? Don't control me. You don't control me. Right? Remember that? Yeah. Nobody likes it. Husbands and wives, don't look at each other. Don't do it. Don't even flinch. All right? <laughs> you don't control me. There's something about that supreme in authority and controller that if we place it on a person, you don't like it. Naturally, kind of go, oh, I'm not sure. I don't know if I want that. But that's the definition of Lord. So here's the concept. You ready? Super, super deep. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Supreme in authority and the controller. In control. Completely. As a baby. Now that, that in my mind is just... Right? Like, that just blows my mind. I'm like, okay, how does this, how does this work? Like, how does that work? Right? I've, I have seen young babies. All right? Let's just be real. They are worthless. Right? They are worthless. Most of them don't even look cute when they come out. They're kind of smushed and rubbery. They just cry all the time. They're different colors. I mean, let's just be real. All right? I'm not trying to be mean. Let's just be real. If you set the thing down, it would die. Right? It's totally dependent on you. 
100%. If you claimed another person in your life that took all your money, didn't kept you from sleeping, screamed at you all the time, pooped everywhere, you would kick them out of your life immediately. Then we're like, oh, they're just so cute. Right? And this is Lord. This is God. Oh, what a mystery that is, right? And you can tell this is not just our struggle still. This is a struggle of a person that walked with Jesus. John, one of the apostles that walked with Jesus in his ministry, is writing his own account of Jesus' life. And, and Luke, of course, starts with the shepherds, right? Luke starts with this awesome scene of, of Caesar Augustus and talking even about the background of Jesus' birth and coming on the scene and angels and all this is crying out. And, and, there's, and then John, what does John do? John just goes, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to start there. And you can tell it's because John is wrestling with something. He's wrestling with this concept of knowing that Jesus is fully man, but recognizing that there's, there's more to him. There's something divine wrapped inside of him. There's some sort of authority that he would speak with. That's how John would say. People saw that he spoke with authority. And so in John 1, the first chapter of his gospel, he has this beautiful kind of imagery slash like powerful poetry of, of what is going on in this idea of what Jesus is as Lord, as a baby, and as a man. He has it in verse 14 that I feel like it just, it just nails you right to what he's trying to get you to understand. He says this, the word, which is Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we had seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth I want to read that for you again the word think of this the message the creation in Genesis is by the word the powerful speech of God. It is the messenger of God wrapped in flesh. Became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen, FaceTime is great. Text messages are great. It, ain't, it cannot be substituted for face to face. You cannot hug somebody. You cannot hold somebody. He didn't stay at a distance. He dwelt among us. It says, we've seen his glory. We have not heard about it. We did not have someone tell us about it. We did not see it from that. We saw it for real. The glory in the one and only Son who came from the Father. And those two last statements, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and and truth. And I've spoken on this before, but I want to remind you this is not a half and half cup of half grace, half truth. This is the full extension of both simultaneously. The full extension of both simultaneously. 
Which is funny that he would mention that because doesn't it seem counterintuitive that a child would be born that is so innocent and so incredibly capable of being damaged, hurt. So incredibly humble, the lowest place on the totem pole, but would be the true savior of the world. This morning, all I want to do is ask you one question. But before I get there, I want to call you to what it means to really sing and ask Jesus to be your Lord. And if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you believe that he is the Lord, the one that's in control, the supreme authority, our response must be in response to the full extension of his message. And that is the full extension of grace and of truth. To not surrender to either of those is to miss out on what God's glory was really revealed in, the manger and a cross. So here's what I want to ask you. Are you surrendered? Are you surrendered to the authority and the lordship of Christ? Have you given him control? Have you admitted that he is the supreme authority in your life? No marital status, no other person, this supreme authority. So I'm going to ask you that with two simple statements. The first one is this. Are you surrendered to grace? Are you surrendered to the full extension of grace? When Jesus came, there was this thought that he was going to be some supreme extension of God's lordship in the law. And that he would come and he would just, I mean, basically just destroy anyone that didn't meet God's standards. And that he would reveal those standards and then those that had met those standards would be risen up. I mean, just, yeah, come on up here. You did it. Congratulations. But time and time again, example after example, the full extension that, that John is trying to get you to see was extended in grace. And, and the leaders at the time, the people that had memorized the first five books of the Bible, that had memorized the law, they are just perplexed, perplexed that they have to surrender to the concept of grace. So they, they, they can't even, always tugs at my heart to reveal this the most, is the woman that is caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Now what's crazy about this story is, is Jesus has been teaching in the temple, and so he's been coming into the courts, and he's standing in a certain place where a lot of people basically can gather, but it's very close to this other place. It's, it's close to this place called the Holy of Holies. This is not a short distance. This is, this is a, a, a distance that's about a couple hundred meters probably, but it's not that far away. You can see the place that this Holy of Holies would be. And, and the reason why that Holy Holy place is important in the temple idea is because that's where the presence of God was. But it's funny as Jesus is out there. But they haven't recognized him yet. So they catch the Pharisees, the absolute pastors of the day, if I can just be honest, all right? 
the pastors of the day, they catch a woman in adultery and then they bring her or her to Jesus in the temple courts. Now, if you think that it just happened to be incredible timing, that they found this woman and then they just happened to know Jesus, you were wrong. They caught this woman maybe the night before. They caught this woman earlier. This was not just like a, oh, bang, bang. This was planned. This was a trap. And they bring her, and she's completely naked. And they throw her at Jesus' feet while he's probably giving a sermon. Can you imagine this? This is a scene. He's teaching, talking, and when the law says you must stone her, Will you not go against the law? And Jesus, brilliant, right? Brilliant. You think he's trapped, but he's like, oh, you want to go with me? I'm the word, man. I'm the word. The text says that he looks at them and he says, okay, sounds good. You're right. The first stone, though, just, just so we're clear. The first stone should come from a person that hasn't sinned, though. So if any of you haven't sinned, go ahead. You you can go ahead and throw some stones. And then he turns his back and just starts doodling in the dirt. What? So, of course... The scriptures are crazy cool because it reveals reveals reality. Uh, First of all, the older people, all right, they're like, yeah, we're out. (laughs) Yeah, because they're like, I know I got one, right? But the young, zestful guys are like, no, I'm good. Yeah, they're all leaving, yeah. And there's so much debate about what Jesus is writing because we don't know. And I love the concept that he's just writing all their sins. Like, I love that idea. He's just like, you liars. (laughs) You cheated last week. I, I love the concept that he just doesn't even write anything. Like, he's just drawing. He's like, yeah, just wasting my time. But one that I thought was so powerful was that when he just lowered his countenance and he got humble, that it caught, this isn't for, but this could be what, what happened, that it would have been an illusion that Jesus sort of knelt down and started drawing, and in the background would have been the sacrificial table that everyone in the entire nation of Israel would have had to have come and taken an animal and sacrificed it for the cleansing of their sins. So in that moment when he says, has any of you sinned? You know, you can't throw a stone. And then he lowers himself. And in that moment, they are literally possibly watching an animal be slaughtered. And they themselves are recanting all the times that they have had to take life to find freedom. That's just such a Jesus thing. So he just, he gets up pretending like he's like, oh. What has happened? Total Jesus thing. That's amazing. Now here's where we pick it up. And Jesus stood up again. And he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Like he didn't know. Didn't even one of them condemn you? 
And that word condemn is so strong there, you guys. This is her death sentence. This is not, this is not just through a little rock. This is her death sentence. No, Lord. Whoa, what, 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 what? What word is that? What? No, Lord. Full authority. Full authority. Full control in that moment. Who's the one person that could throw a stone? Who's the one person that could throw the stone? No, Lord. Submission. She's guilty. And he looks at her and he says, I guess it's up to me. No. He says, neither do I. And what launches her on her route to never sin again or to attempt sanctification, the process of growing? Grace launches her on a route to change her life. Surrendering, oh Lord, no, no one else. You're in control. It's all you. I do not condemn you. I do not condemn you. I do not condemn you. You walk free. Surrender to the concept of fully being extended grace. I don't know where you're at this Christmas. I don't know if you're living in the, in the family consequences of some poor decisions of following desires that destroyed your family. And now you are sitting in the remains of what was once a happy home and you are never going to forgive yourself. Christmas isn't a time for joy. It's a time for mourning for what was lost for your poor choices. And I don't know if you're in a place where you are sitting in the remains of someone else's poor choices. You are sitting and you're, you're just picking up the pieces of someone else's selfishness. Someone else's greed. Someone else's poor choice. Sinful choice. And you're just sitting there going, what do I do? Joy to the world, I guess. Listen. Surrender to the full extension of grace. Surrender to the full extension extension of grace surrender to your lord he is in control the pain is still painful poor choices absolutely to devastating effects i've been screaming it for three weeks now the quality of your decisions is the quality you live in but look at me it is not what you've been forgiven you've been forgiven everything grace extends fully into your life you must extend it to others as well. Surrender to grace. And the second one, surrender to the truth. Man, I wish we could just end at grace, right? Oh, I wish we could just end at grace. It'd be so nice. You just leave here warm and fuzzy, feeling good, right? Yes, I've been forgiven. We can go sin again. 
right? Always forgiven. The concept of a child is really easy to feel bad for when they're hurt, isn't it? I've been watching, uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a geek, all right? Let's just nerd out with me for a minute, all right? One of, uh, one of the things I like to do is watch other people play video games, all right? Don't judge me, all right? One of, my fr- one of the guys that I follow on this app called Twitch has been raising money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital over the last 24 hours. And he's raised over 